Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to week two of Families Matter Workshop. Today, we're going to be discussing worthiness. Yeah, when it comes to worthiness, we're thinking of it through a, the lens of a Christian point of view and what this has to do with healthy family dynamics. What's your definition of worthiness? Well, the best definition that I've come across comes from the book Search for Significance, where he defines it as performance plus other people's opinion of you and of your performance equals worthiness. Okay. And, you know... One way that we define our self-worth these days is through social media. So I can kind of see that, like, especially through TikTok, you learn that viral TikTok dance, you absolutely nail it, you post it, and it starts going viral, and you get hundreds of thousands of likes on this video. You're going to feel pretty good about yourself. Right. I mean, it's, it's like the definition in, in illustration, you know, perfect in sync, lots of thumbs up. And then I think we can also see the flip side of it, which also has to do with uh, and, you know, family dynamics is what happens if you're one of those introverted kids, maybe not in the popular group that's always on social media and you're not getting likes, you know, no one's following you, no one's friending you. And, you know, they even have a link between that and the suicide rate. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's disappointing and sad. And we've, uh, you know, we come from a background of education and I have seen students who um, you know, unfortunately we've experienced a rise in suicide rates and a lot of times we can see the connection between someone who is hurting someone who doesn't feel loved, doesn't feel like they belong, doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel accepted. Um, and where are we supposed to have those feelings fulfilled? Are we supposed to fulfill them within ourselves? Are we right. supposed to fulfill them with our society and our families? Well, I mean, it just goes to like, I just want to hit further on that, that childhood, you know, and the, the teacher part of me. I mean, we've had the kids who cry over an 89. I've had parents email me, can their child retake the math quiz because they got an 89, which is a B plus, a B plus, which, you know, what's that message telling that child about their performance? So we have, we have both, you know, both sides of the spectrum. We have the kid that's totally disengaged, totally checked out, and, you know, maybe as an outsider. And then we also have the super popular kid who is performance driven, who freaks out if they get a B because they right. know, oh, right. I'm going to go home and mom's going to be mad at me or dad's going to be mad at me or I'm going to get my tablet taken away because I got a B. Can I please redo it? Is there any way I can get extra credit? We've experienced both ends of that spectrum. And and, and it's very common. Like, um, I mean, um, and it's very damaging. You know, I think we could kind of, kind of think about, well, the kid who's disengaged, of course, they're the the losers, you know, they're, of course, we, you know, they're, they're not as worthy because, you know, that's what society is telling is them. Telling them. And, but we don't see that it's the same root of perform. The tree is the same for the kid who, um, you know, all of a sudden is suicidal in college when they get their first fail because they haven't ever had the opportunity to, um, and their, their worthiness is all connected to how they're performing and, and they've they never haven't had the opportunity fail, to failure. Yeah. They haven't had the opportunity to fail and deal with what that looks like. 
Um, but you keep talking about like a Christian point of view, like worthiness, a Christian point of view. Well, the reason why I pick the, this is because, you know, coming from a family of, of extreme dysfunction, um, when I started to deal with it, you know, I really had this belief when I went through my counseling that I was worthless, you know, like, like, like that I was just, you know, the message really was you're disposable and you're for other people's use. And so that you have no value. Um, and that's my heart, heart core belief was that. And so, um, you know, and that was a message that was instilled in you as a child through the abuse that you suffered. Through the abuse that I suffered, yes. Um, I mean, I and I think that happens to anybody who is who has abuse is you know you are you're worthless. You know, if you um, you're, you're worth less than other people in the family. If you don't perform perfectly, then you're worthless. If it's physical abuse, you know, they always say, you know, you made me beat you, you know, you made me. And so you, you drove me to this, you point. drove me to this point. So it's your fault. And so like, where can you go in your heart of hearts when you believe that you're worthless? Where do you go? And that's where I, I um, found it in my Christian faith in, in, in Christianity. Um, I, you know, and we'll talk about the, the three kingdoms here in a second, but in Christianity, there's this imparted identity that, that happens. Yeah. And, you know, God has created us for relationships. Every creature is important to him um, that he made, but humanity is the most important. And when we're born worthy of this connection, but then through Christ, we then take on his identity, right? Because Christ is in us. What right. does that look like? Well, we, you know, so what you're really saying is that we're all loved by God. God loves us all. But it, the ability to receive that perfect love comes through Christ. And so when you pray to become a Christian, you become a new being. Um, your sins are taken away from you and not even remembered. Like I think of like the math term infinity. It goes on for on and on forever in each direction. So as far as the east is from the west, the sins, your sins are taken away, not remembered anymore. And so that means infinitely they can never be remembered. Um, it says that you get the holiness of Christ, the perfection of Christ. And more than that, you get the power to live a loved life. And I have a question for you. In the Bible, we see a lot of biblical figures that struggle with worthiness, that come to Christ or come to God saying, Oh, I'm not worthy for this. I'm not worthy for this. Why are we worthy? Well, I, the thing, uh, if you were going to explain it to a non-Christian, the, the reason why we're worthy is first of all, you know, God created man and God didn't create man because God lacks anything within himself. It's not like God was up there lonely and, oh, I'm so lonely. I don't have anything. God is love and love always expands. It always grows. So we're, God created us for connection and companionship. But when we come into um, Christianity, the, we know we're worthy, to answer your question, because God gave his only son for us. So, so we are so worthy of love and connection that God sent his only son to bring forth that connection that was to broken, be crucified, to be crucified, right. To be mocked, to be um, a sacrifice so that he could restore the connection that we had in the garden 
before Adam sinned and before Eve sinned. Okay. So what does worthiness have to do with family dynamics? Why are we even talking about this if we're talking about family dynamics? Because we all long to be loved, valued, paid attention to, accepted, touched, belong. We don't want to belong. We want to be understood, recognized. And, and, you know, families that do that well, you know, our families are our first mirror that say, who am I? Am I important? Am I wanted? You know, why am I, what, how am I special compared to my siblings? Right. It's in our DNA to ask and seek that approval. Yeah. Those big questions, you know, you know, why, you know, the big universe kind of questions. Uh, But, and so, and so we look at our family as a mirror to why we're accepted or valuable. And the thing about it is our families will always give us messages of performance. Like, you know, the baby's perfect, but as soon as they get older, you know, why do we sign four-year-olds up for T-ball? Because it's fun. We want them to be really, really good baseball players. Someday. Right, right. Or soccer, right? Is it because they're really gifted soccer players or is it more like, like, I, I'll tell you why, because heaven forbid my, my son be six and the four-year-olds be better than my son playing soccer. Yeah. But also, I mean, I think sometimes that some part of that is that we want our children to be involved in a sport. We want right. them to have the physical activity. We want them right. to have the socialization. We want them to have fun playing outside. Right, right. But there, and there is all that good. And, you know, this is kind of a mixed bag, you know, like our families, there's lots of good in our family. But ultimately, where do we go when we when we have to deal with the messages that cause dysfunction, which are the, the performance ones that say you don't measure up. And I think growing up, I experienced this a lot from you and dad is that there was a lot of pressure on me to be academically gifted. Right. I mean, and And I I was academically gifted, but was that because I was naturally academically gifted or was I um, pressured to be that way? Yeah. You know, I'm sure that there's a mixture. I mean, I, I mean, I would always make jokes about people, you know, like that would get like, you know, there's always that honor roll sweeper, you know, um, you know, there was somebody in our community that would be like, get every award. And I would say to my friends jokingly, like, I want to have award winning children. And it would be like a joke, but like, no, you I want really I really wanted, hearts. I really wanted to have my children beat your children. But why? Because I guess it would make me a better mother or more worthy. Because then other people's opinion of you would be higher. Yes. They, I must be doing something right. Look how good her children are. Or look how smart they must be. So, And I mean, the other day I was posting pictures of my son on Facebook just to catch people up, you know, do a photo dump. And I saw a picture of him doing a puzzle and putting together a puzzle. And I was like, oh, I have to include that because he's such a smarty pants. I want everyone to know that he's smart. But why? Like me sharing it on social media does not make him any more or any less smart. But I wanted people to know, hey, look how awesome my kid is. Right, right. And I mean, and I mean, we are proud of our kids. And, and it's, it's not like it's, it's not like it's evil or, or bad because we are gifted. God created us as gifted people, we have, we all have gifts and talents, you know, that we're to share and to grow in there's legitimate gifting. It's just a matter of, we get these messages sometimes from our family that, um, that when we hit that hiccup, where do we go when we're not feeling like we're achieving that level? And I think that a lot of us get our value from the world around us. Some of us get our value from 
religion, but this is also something that we experienced where I experienced growing up is that I could never be perfect enough to meet the expectations of the God that was introduced to me as a young girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what, that's, what's so sad is, you know, um, you know, the, you know, first of all, my family was operating out of the kingdom of the world. And this is where, you know, I believed and saw that there's levels, there's status, that good and bad are defined by society. And that if you if you perform well, you earn your worthiness, that and that there's conditional acceptance. And at that point, you know, God really wasn't much of a part of our family, I would say we kind of created our own value system. Um, And then when and this would be like, how you get your value from social media. This would be how you get your right. value from grades, right. how you get right. your value from what your friends think about you, how many guys you're dating, how hot the guys that you're dating are. That is all part of the kingdom of the world. Right. We all, we all know that. And then of course there's the people who say, I can't hit any levels. I can't hit any status. So I'm not going to try. Maybe I'm going to go into drugs. Maybe I'm going to go hang out with the different, like the, you know, the, anti-crowd, the not the cool crowd, the rebel rebel crowd, you know, so that, you know, there's, there's that side of it too. Because you want to be accepted and those guys will accept you. Right, right. right. So you're going to get, yeah. And then it becomes like cool to not perform, you know, cool to, to be the rebel. Um, And then, you know, for, as I came into my Christian faith and um, God, God, you know, if you've ever read my first book about the miraculous revelation of what had happened to me through, through uh, the abuse, I started to live out of this kingdom of religion. And I think that that is what I showed you, which was, you know, tell what that looked like. Well, we became um, a very religious family in that there were certain things that we could do and certain things that we couldn't do. Um, I had a lot more restrictions from quote unquote worldly influences. And it was very much like we were going to be at church Sundays, Sunday afternoons, Wednesday afternoons, Wednesday evenings. We were going to volunteer in the church. We were going to go to prayer uh, studies. We're going to go to Bible studies. We are going to go to, you know, Tuesday morning worships and everything came uh, our whole life changed in that it revolved around the church. Revolving around God and revolving around the church were two different things, I think. Right, right. And so what happened to me is, you know, I would listen to that, the speaker on the podium every week who would kind of talk about their spiritual experiences. And I really would think, well, that's the standard. You know, like you have, like, I remember somebody like telling somebody, like, I thought I, I I thought I heard like when I was in prayer time, like go to like Matthew four and I'm saying, no, that's not how God talks to you. And like, oh, okay. You know, then, then you must know how God talks to you. God's not talking to me because that's not how God talks to you. Right. And so that's not how God talks to you and going, okay, well, that wasn't God, you know, and there was just a lot of confusion between you know, really wanting to be close to God and looking to these people that I thought were levels, you know, and had higher that were better Christians, right? Like Bible study teachers had a higher status. They were more spiritual. So if they said something, I kind of took it like God was saying it. Gotcha. And I think that's where discernment comes in too. I will say this though, that if you come from an abusive family, it's very hard to have this kind of discernment because you're, you know, it's a very popular psychological term, which is gaslit. 
And so when, when somebody tells you like, you know, you, you got beaten because you made me so mad, then, you know, as a child, you're kind of going like, well, it seems like I got beaten because you were drinking too much and you lost your temper, but you're telling me that it's because I made you so mad. It was my fault. So it's my fault. And so when you get those kind of messages over and over again, that, that the problem's not the problem, your discernment gets really whacked up. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, how can little Chris, Chris, who, who can't find Ephesians in the Bible, be <laughs> hearing God, <laughs> you know, when this spiritual great is telling me that this is how it's done. And so a lot of times I, I the Holy Spirit was trying to set me straight the whole time, but it was this kind of like, I can't, it was right. influences of the church. It was the influences of the church that there were people that had higher levels that had higher status. But is that really God is, is God up there saying, Oh, you know, little Susie is on the front row of church. She is volunteering. She is, you know, helping out with the children's ministry. She reads her Bible every morning. I love her more. She is worth more to me, to my kingdom than that guy in the back that just walked in and accepted Christ. Yeah, no. I mean, that's what's so the answer. No, the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. So who's more worthy then? Well, they're all, they're all equally worthy because Christ is in them. The kingdom of God is, is different because there's unconditional acceptance. Susie's not more worthy um, because she reads her Bible. In fact, the Lord actually says in the Bible that anything that you do to work is as filthy rags to him. In other words, anything that you think that because I read my Bible, I'm getting a check plus in heaven. That's a filthy rag. That's like saying Jesus doesn't count. It's like saying Jesus plus my performance right? is how, is how I'm worthy. Jesus plus me and my and, effort. And God's love, Jesus's love is not performance driven. No. In fact, the kingdom of God is where you um, receive that you can only, you, there's nothing you can do. You can only receive the kingdom of God. And I mean, if you look in the new Testament, Jesus was always saying the kingdom of God is like, and then he would, he would kind of like take the things that the Pharisees would do where, for example, you think that you are holy because, you know, this was the church of the time because you don't murder, that you've kept the commandments. Well, if you even think an evil thought about a person, you've murdered them. Now, before I started to understand the new covenant, I would think, oh, my God. Then I've murdered like everybody. <laughs> All of you. I murder people in Kroger every day. You know, like <laughs> you that know? guy that honked his horn at me I because just, I was taking too long at the green light. I just, I just murdered him. I just murdered him. But what he was really doing when he did these extravagant um, uh, stories was saying to them, like, you can't do it. You can't do. Because we're imperfect. Because we're imperfect. You can't do it. So, so I'm going to do it, it for you by dying on the cross and making you, and, and being that holy sacrifice so that you can receive the love and the acceptance and the unconditional favor of God. And you don't have to do anything from it, but become like a little child and come to the father and receive it. You know, I, uh, I will say like having my grandchildren has really helped my prayer life. How so? Well, because like three, the three grandsons are all under three. When I think about like praying for healing, like, oh gosh, you know, I have a really have a headache, you know, will you heal me? And then I'm like, you know, please, I've got to pray hard to get God to give me the healing that I need. And then I think, 
as a grandmother, I would get that ibuprofen instantly. He wouldn't have to do anything other than just be my grandchild for me to go meet his need. Right. And, and that is what the kingdom of God is like. And that worthiness is received and not earned. So when we think about the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of religion, it's all about the works. It's all about working hard enough to get society's acceptance. It's about working hard enough to get God's acceptance because it's conditional. Right. And I, how how many times have you been at a sermon and you left feeling condemned and guilty? Like, man, I'm not good enough. Well, and that's the thing that that's not the good news. And see, the there's still such a huge mixture of the old covenant and the new covenant in our organized churches today. And that is that if you, you know, you're a Christian, but you still got to try hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and if you try hard, then you're going to be a good Christian rather than the opposite, which is as you live abiding in Christ's love, you're going to be a good Christian. As you receive and live out of who you are, then you're going to not sin. Not, I'm not going to sin to become a Christian. It's like, I'm going to live loved and I'm not going to sin because of the grace of God working through me. And I find that the closer I am to God, the more I'm living my life according to his will. And so, you know, like taking that time to read my Bible every day, I'm not doing it because I want to be a better Christian. I'm doing it because it makes me a happier person. It makes me a more loving right, wife. Right. It makes me a better mom. It gives me a, a drive and purpose for that day. I agree. And, and you know, I know that for me, um, like I just went to an all-inclusive and they had all this alcohol. What a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, I, I look back on it because there would have been a day where I would like all or nothing, you know, all y'all again can gotta get my money's worth, get my money's worth. But, but like I had pina coladas, but like, I never got drunk and I never wanted to. You never had 14 pina coladas. <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't have 14, four during the day <laughs> and it was delicious. But what I'm saying is like, like it, just the desire because I abide in Christ isn't really there to overindulge. I'm enjoying my life. I'm living an abundant life and it's the good news. And I think that it's really important that as families, we impart the, the message of worthiness into our children of what true worthiness looks like. Right. And that, that we can either have them on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. We can give them messages about their identity and performance and roles and values out of their performance, or we can model not, talk about, but model through our lives. You know, I struggled with this. So I I was forgetting who I was in Christ. And I think that we saw um, a shift in our dynamic. And what really helped um, us is that a lot of times we would, as children, we go to our parents for help. And I was finding that as an adult, I would still call my mom up and say, mom, what do I do? What do I do? And she started just asking me, first before offering her advice is, well, have you prayed about that yet? So modeling to your family, like, you know, when you live in that kingdom of God, you turn to God first, right? You turn to God for your worthiness. You turn to God for healing. You turn to God to help guide you and imparting that message to your family. I think it's invaluable. I think that it really changed when I started to model rather than preach. Yes. And also the struggle, like, I don't believe I'm worth worthy. I'm trying to learn that I'm loved in Christ, you know? Um, and I think that 
the belief that you have about yourself affects your relationship. So as you were going through the trauma and sifting through all of the abuse, and then, you know, you turn to religion, you believed that you were only valuable if society said that you were valuable. You believe that you were not valuable because of your abuse and your trauma in the past. You believe that you were only valuable if you were a good Christian. Right. And you had to serve the church in order to become a good Christian. And all of that trickled down to us kids. Right. So I don't believe that we're under like the generational curses and the new covenant. I like that, you know, the sins of the father, but our belief system gets passed down. What we believe gets passed down. What we believe in our heart is what we believe for our kids in their heart. So my kids have to perform for Jesus. I mean, for God, because that's what I believe. And so as those messages got healed within me and I started to talk about the new identity and the good news, I think it started to change the whole family dynamic that we had a more authentic uh, faith. We're not big churchgoers. Some of, some of our family members are very you know, involved and happy in their in their church membership and whatnot. I haven't really found that yet, but I do live out of the kingdom of God and I'm right. big into that. And I do have Christian fellowship, but I just don't see. And I think that that is the church. Right. And now I for think me. that living through the kingdom of God is where you're going to find your acceptance. You're going to find your love. You're going to find your value. And the more that you understand that, the more that you're going to become to be comfortable accepting yourself and liking yourself. And you're going to be able to fulfill that purpose because the world needs you, right? Whoever you are listening right Right. now, the world needs you. Right. And when you ask that, like, so the person who reads their Bible every day and are they more light? Are they, are they pleasing God more? I think when you live as you, you please God more when you walk full of love and you're at the grocery store or you're a school teacher or you work in business where, when you are full of love and, and, and a child of God, wherever you go as you and your gifting is what glorifies God the most. Yes. And I recently came across a group of uh, ladies at the dentist office and they just exuded love and yeah. Okay you're working at the dentist's office, like where are you really going to be, you know, ministered to when you go and get your teeth clean? And I a hundred percent absolutely was just because I could tell that these women were walking their life in accordance with God's will for them. And the way that they just talked to one another, treated one another, talked to their patients, treated their patients. They were just so full of love. And it, it changed you. It, it, made, it made you w- want what they had. Yeah, exactly. And, and church never did that. <laughs> church has sometimes done that, but yeah, rarely. But it's usually an individual that you connect with at the church. And that's what, you yeah. know, part of our purpose is, is that, you know, we are meant for connection and we are worthy as we live through God's kingdom. Yeah. And as, as we're closing out, I just want to encourage you, you know, to, to think about, you know, who, who are you believing what the world says about you, you know, and we go in and out of all these kingdoms, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of religion and the kingdom of God all day long. Right. But just becoming aware of like, Oh, you know, I'm really being hard on myself. What's that from? Is that that from the kingdom of the world? Is that from the kingdom of religion or is that from the kingdom of God? Right. And, and, um, and if you've never done any study or whatnot of what all these things that God says you get, it's called the new identity or exchange life that we give our life and now we have Christ's life in us, what you now, what God says you are, look that up. It's incredible. Um, and and it, it won't, it, you'll, you might read it in your mind, 
but it will not sink into your heart unless over time, it's a kind of a time soaking uh, mind change thing. That's something takes, you need to meditate on. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's been a process. You know, it takes some time to change your, your, the way you uh, think. Um, so, you know, I guess as we leave you just kind of marinate on um, what messages are you receiving in your heart and who are you allowing to define your worthiness? Are you letting the world define your worthiness or are you truly turning to God and what God says you are to define your worthiness? We might also consider what messages might we be passing down to the next generation about worthiness, what family members are being required to earn to get love and acceptance and how that relates to the kingdom of God. So if today's message on worthiness resonated with you, then we would just like to leave you with a tool that you can use within your own relationships in order to maybe shift your perspective on worthiness. This tool is called saying what's most true. And with this, what you do is you recognize the emotion of that you're feeling like I'm feeling rejected or I'm feeling like I'm not worthy. And then you say what is a higher truth, for example. So let's say that you were um, a single young woman and you just are never getting a date. Yeah. And so, and so right now you, you would say, it feels like I'm being rejected or that there's something wrong with me that nobody wants to date me. What's wrong with me. So it feels like I'm being rejected, that there's something wrong with me. But what's most true is that God has a plan for my life and that God has a particular man that he has ordained to be my husband and I will meet him or not. God may have other, some other plan, but he has a good plan for my life. And that's what's most true. And that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. And so another example might be, it feels like my mother's angry at me because I don't want to come over for a holiday. But what's most true is that I have the freedom to choose what's good for me or not good for me. And when I go over to my mother's house, she always drinks too much and berates me. And so I choose to set this boundary to set this boundary. And what's most true is that it pleases God when I set boundaries. What's most true is that I have been set free from the opinion of my mother to live out of my heart. And um, so even though I feel rejected and like I'm displeasing my mother, I am totally loved and pleasing to God. So we just challenge you the next time that you are feeling like you are lacking in worthiness to remind yourself what is most true. Yeah. And recognize the pain of rejection. It hurts. It, it does hurt our hearts when performance plus others opinion, when the opinion's not what we think it should be. It hurts. We acknowledge the pain, but there's a higher truth always and that our value is found in what and who God says we are. Thank you for listening to Families Matter podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. <laughs>